0: My life told, in this is, this is how I start on Monday <laughs> and how it ends. All right. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus has just had the confrontation with the, the, the Pharisees and the religious people over the woman caught in adultery. Um, and now he is going to challenge their thinking. And so I'm just going to read through it, and then we're going we're gonna to break it down um, as we go through. John chapter eight and verse twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them. So he's speaking to the people that are still there. Okay, I am not. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, "You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true." Jesus answered, "Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going." But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, Therefore, where is your Father? Now they know what they're asking. Because of Jesus' questionable parenthood, uh, parentage, um, and Jesus answered, "You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also." These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, "If I am going away and you will seek me and you will if I, I am going away, and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come." So the Jews said, will he kill himself? What an odd leap of logic there. I'm going to talk about why they go there. Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. I need a couple of volunteers. Actually, I need uh, five volunteers. All right, Eric's one, Jed's one. There's two. Ryan's three. I need two more. All right, Ray and uh, and Dennis, if you guys come on down. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna play a game. Okay, so I need, I need two of you to decide to be father and son. Ryan and Jed. Okay, so Ryan and Jed, you guys are father and son. So um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Eric, uh, if you, yeah, Eric, if you can, you can come over here. So uh, And Ray and Dennis, if you come over here. And Jed, if you can come over here. All right, all right and then Ryan, you come over here. Okay, you just stand right here. Right here is good. Okay, all right. So listen, here's the deal, okay? Um, So we're going to play a game. So the first thing I'm going to do is Jed and I are going to help you guys out. So spread out a little bit. None of you get vertigo, right? Come here, Jed. All right, so here's what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. All right? And then, no, you're going to help me spin them around. And then, Ryan, I need you to be very quiet. You guys can't help. All right, I want the three of you to find Ryan. All right, so (laughs) close your eyes. No, 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 we're not talking to him. So spin Dennis around. All right, close your eyes. No, he's going to stay there. He's going to stay still. All right, close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. We're going to spin you around, spinning 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 you around. All right, and find Ryan. Ray is cheating. I'm not cheating. No cheating. It's a golf course. All right, good. All right. All right, you guys can open your eyes now. All right, so now, Jed, go back over there. I need you. You guys can sit down. All right, Jed. Now, no helping, no helping. So remember, what's the relationship between Ryan and Jed? Father and son, okay? Close your eyes. Hope you don't get vertigo. Now, Ryan, what I want you to do is I want you to tell Jed where you are. No, directly. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Now, have you figured out what I'm doing here yet? All right. Let's go back and look at what Jesus is talking about. Look at what Jesus says. When they challenge Jesus... All right. Jesus makes the statement, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's why I had the guys close their eyes and spin them around because they were walking in darkness. All right. um, but just Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, what does that mean? It doesn't have any significance. It's in isolation. It is only when they challenge Jesus about it And they say, you're bearing witness of yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus says, I'm not the only one bearing witness. The Father is also bearing witness of me. The reality is, if we look at most people going through the world, most people trying to do religion or spirituality or whatever, they are like Eric and Ray and Dennis. The only frame of reference they have is themselves, their own opinion, their own witness of what works or doesn't work. And so this is going to get me close to God. Well, why do you know that it's going to get you close to God? Because I read a book once, and I think that it's good, and so I'm going to follow it. As opposed to Jed and Ryan, where Jed was um, in darkness all the same, but because he had the witness of the Father, he could make a straight line to the Father rather than relying on himself. So even though there was... Now, we're using sound instead of sight, but even though he might have felt like he was in darkness, the path to the Father was cleared. Now, if I really wanted to get complicated, and I didn't want to make this complicated, what I would have done is had um, Jed uh, spin around and then hold somebody who could see Ryan, and that would have been a better illustration of this point because Jesus says, I bear witness of myself, and the Father bears witness. Well... What that what he's doing is Jesus is setting up a confrontation of two competing rival truth claims. Um, now, what is a truth claim? It's something that is claimed to be true. Profound. All right. Um, I know. Deep. All these theological terms are so confusing. Um, when we go through the world, go through life, right? We are constantly confronted with truth claims. People that say something is true, and what's extraordinary is when you have no frame of reference for those truth claims, it's very easy for you to accept. Accept? Did that just fall down? Um, accept something that is that may not be true. How many of you seen the reports about how amazing it is that gas has been going down? The price of gas has been going down for 12 weeks. Isn't it extraordinary how much more affordable life is now? In fact, I saw a guy on CNN talking about because gas is so much cheaper now than it was, uh, you know, eight weeks ago. It's like the government giving you a hundred dollar rebate. And I'm like, wait, when this started, gas was under two fifty. Now we're supposed to celebrate that it's a dollar more expensive than it was when this started? How does that work? But without a frame of reference, without a conscious awareness of a starting point and an ending point. How easy is it for us to be led astray by a truth claim? And what Jesus is saying is, look, don't listen to me alone. There's also the testimony of the Father. Now, elsewhere in John, he's been talking about this testimony of the Father, that when he does these signs, it's God confirming that Jesus is speaking the truth. And so there's two points to the claim. There's, there's a clear line here and here, and so you're able to move in a straight line. Um, how many of how you have ever done any, um, taken a flying lesson or anything like that? Any of you? All right. Jim and I are the only ones. <laughs> all right. Doc did. All right. Uh, what, what, is, what is the, why do they have all the instruments in an airplane? Because you can get disoriented if you're the only frame of reference. If you're the only, how many of you have ever been in a swimming pool and forgot which end was up? All right, you similar experience. You sit in there, you start to freak out. You're like, I'm in the water and it all looks wet. And I don't know which way I'm going. And I sure hope I can get to the top because I'm running out of air. And I didn't, you know, I, I, not that, you know, deep sea diver guy, nine minutes. You know, uh, what's his name there? Um, Tom Cruise claims he can hold his breath for nine minutes. I don't believe it. Um, Keanu Reeves, I would believe that from, but not Tom Cruise. Uh, but the, uh, this, this, you know, when you, when you don't have a starting point and an ending point to a truth claim. If there's not multiple witnesses to a truth claim, there's no way to check it. There's no way to test it. Um, there's no way to know whether what you're doing is right or wrong or indifferent. All right? And so when Jesus is challenging them and he, says, and he says to them, there's two bearing witness. So he starts off with saying, I am the light of the world. He starts off with saying, I'm the direction that you need when you're walking in darkness. Without a light, without the path from here to here illuminated, you're just going to wander around in darkness. You're you're dead reckoning flying without any instrumentation. You have no idea of altitude or distance or anything like that. You're relying on yourself for your own frame of reference. Now, this happens to us on multiple levels. Uh, you you almost never know what's wrong until someone else points out that something is wrong, right? Uh, I I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I I'm not depressed. And then somebody goes, well here 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 here, and you go, oh my goodness, I think I'm depressed. Or or. Um, you know, I, I, you, you don't you, you don't realize, you know, it's like it's like I'm doing fine. I'm doing great until you sit on the You know, you're you're trying to monitor what you eat, but you're not keeping track of it. And um, I've been dealing with an injury this week and I got on the scale scale last night and that was not fun. Um, and uh, and but you think I'm doing OK, I'm doing all right. It's not a big deal. But then you get a second point of reference and you realize that when you're only orienting to yourself, you're in trouble. You're in the dark. You're, you're a, a blindfolded person walking around in a dark room trying to find the door without any frame of reference. Now, Jesus challenges these Pharisees and he says, You are walking in darkness, Right? but whoever follows me will not b- walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, in other words, that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be darkness. It just means that there's going to be a light, a path. And when he brings in this second witness with Jesus, uh, with the Father, he's saying, look, it's not just me. Here's a confirmation. Can anyone deny that what I'm doing and the signs that I've given, that they point to the Father and their confirmation of the Father being at work in me? And, of course, their response is to ask, who's your Father? Right? But look at what he says in verse 15. And and this is one of the extraordinary things that Jesus will do. He says, you judge according to the flesh. Now, what does he mean by according to the flesh? He says, your truth claim is based on your own feelings. That's what the flesh is in the Bible. When we read in the Bible, according to the flesh, it doesn't mean, oh, my body is telling me something that's against God. According to the flesh is is self-centered, self-focused, self-referential, um, I determine the worth or the value of anything by what it gets for me, what I can consume or feel in any situation. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now, this is an interesting statement that Jesus makes. Can the light pointing you to, the, to the, the, where you're headed judge you? So so if we're in a dark we're we're all in a boat, you know, we went out with Gilligan and the captain. and it's it's dark, and there is a lighthouse in the distance. Does the lighthouse judge me if I swerve off of the course? No, but is swerving off the course bad? Yes. See, Jesus doesn't need to judge us if he points us toward the Father. If he bears witness of himself and the Father bears witness of himself, Jesus doesn't need to go around and go, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. All we have to do is look and say, are we on the path between Jesus as the starting point and the Father as the end? Are we on the path or have we deviated? He doesn't have to walk around judging. All you have to do is say, are you on the path? To use another illustration from life, how many of you love a nice, straight, mowed line? <laughs> you just like looking out at your lawn and going, smooth. Um, when I was a kid learning how to run a snapper lawn, you guys remember the snapper lawnmowers? The, the, they had the handlebars, and you had the shifter, and you know the Forrest Gump lawnmower. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's what it is. And and we had two of them. The church that my dad pastored when I was a kid was three acres, and it, and it was a lot to mow. So we had these two snapper lawnmowers. And when I was probably 10 or 11, maybe younger than that, I'm not sure exactly how old I was, my dad decided I would be the second person I would mow behind him. And um, if you've ever let a child loose on a lawnmower, you know that children do not have the necessary motor skills to keep that thing going straight. So there would be my dad's line, and my dad is obsessed with lo- straight lines on the lawnmower. It's got to be straight. to the point that my dad my dad is like an ultra nerd, especially when I was younger. and I, I mean I'm thinking of him when he's in his 30s. Um, my dad would calculate the angle that he'd have to take to go up a hill so that the line would stay straight the whole way. So the optical illusion was there, right? And he's got his 9, 10, 11 year old son behind him going, So we would finish. We would finish a row, you know. My dad's trying to teach me, and we would get to the end, and we would put the lawn in neutral and in, uh, in park and turn them off, you know, and um and get off the lawn mowers, and we would look at the line, and there was my dad's, and there was mine. And my dad said to me, I, mean, "I I still mow this way." He said, "When you get to the end of the row, he says you line up your tire with the tire track of the previous one, and you pick a goal out there." And you go from here to there. And that's how you mow a straight line. Well, Jesus lays our lives out and he says, here's here's your starting point. You line up your wheel next to me. Here's the Father. If you just go, there'll be a straight line. But what do we do? we wander around now the great thing about it is because the light doesn't judge us the light stays true when we deviate and all we have to do is get back to it all we have to do is get back he's not judging us when we wander off we get the opportunity to be uh to return to repent and turn back to him He says you judge according to the flesh when your frame of reference is only your own desires then of course you will judge everyone around you because they're not you. Um, uh, uh, Mike mentioned a little bit about how September 11th the country came together. And it was extraordinary. There were Republicans and Democrats getting together and working together. There were wrestling fans and lacrosse fans getting together. There were, there, were, there were football players and baseball players in peace and accord. Nobody was worried about whether somebody was kneeling during the national anthem. Nobody was worried about whether, uh, whether uh, you had inflated the footballs properly or not. Nobody was worried about wh- whether we were having equal representation or whatever category that is the, the trendy thing that we have to have equal representation everybody had a straight line somebody had done something horrible to us we wanted to fix that problem everybody was working together but over time right it starts to fall apart and starts to deviate because we stop judging based on the the, the starting point and the ending point we start judging based on our own desires our own needs our own wants we walk around defining what it is to be good right or human by what we believe good, right, or human is. And there's no in-between when we judge entirely by ourselves. When the only standard of truth is my own flesh, there is no room for gradation. There's no room for variation. There's no room for disagreement. And that's what these guys are doing. And Jesus says, look, in verse 17, your law says two witnesses. Are there any two better witnesses of what is true than a guy who's doing the signs and the father who is confirming the signs to be the light of the world for what you need to answer the problems and the challenges? And what's their question? Where is your father? Now, what does that question reveal about these people? What? They don't know who God is. Their frame of reference is so self-centered. They have no idea who he's talking about when he says where, that, my, that my father bears witness. They don't have a clue. They, they're trying to push buttons. They, they probably are sitting there going, well, where's his dad? Like, like we think about this as a, like a deep theological question. Where is your father? Where is God? Is, they, they may have just been saying, well, where's your dad to confirm this? We just want to make sure. You know, is he going to co-sign on the loan? We, we want to know where he is. I mean, we haven't heard this before. Uh, by the way, you, in rabbinical uh, literature, sometimes you refer to your teacher, the rabbi who trained you, as your father. So maybe that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, you know, his father, his teacher, well, where's his teacher? They know earlier, they've said, did any of you guys teach Jesus? Because we don't know, and I think it's in chapter 6 or like chapter 7, we don't know who trained this guy. We have no idea where this is coming from. So maybe that's what they're asking. And Jesus is sitting there going, it's me and it's the Father. The Father is confirming and they are completely missing the point. You know neither me nor my Father. He says, you, you miss who I am because you've missed who the Father is. See, here's the, here's the other thing about using yourself as a frame of reference. If you put a starting point out there, an ending point out there, but you're the starting point, you know that no matter where you go, you're always going to be in a straight line with that starting with that end point. You know, I mean, and and the problem is you don't know whether you've deviated. You don't know whether you've wandered off. You don't know, you don't know because you're looking at it going, well, I can still see, I can still see the, the end point, I can still see it, but you're off the path. Jesus says, I, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Now, I think what Jesus is saying is, as I continue to walk toward the Father, you're going to fall off the cliff in the dark. I really think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying that not following him specifically is the problem, as, uh, is what's going to cause it. Like he, In other words, you don't follow me, I judge you, you die. But rather, if you're off the path, you're going to fall. You're not going to wind up where I am. Um, I, I, and I love their question in verse 22. He said they, their immediate response to that is, is he going to kill himself? Why go there? And, and, and here's, here's the thing. Like, it seems like their mentality is they know that they're going to get to God. So anyone that's not getting to God their way must be broken. Right? They, they, they. I mean, they are so self-centered that they're unable to constitute, unable to think about a world in which their way doesn't work. So here's, and and here's, here's where I'm kind of going with this. All right, this whole idea of the straight line of judgment, and what Jesus is talking about, and the judgment, and all those things. Jesus is dealing with the question of how do we, how do we test. A truth claim how do we test the claims of Jesus and how do we test the claims of competing systems now I want you to think about this for a second Jesus was a Torah observant Jew he obeyed the law he's there in Jerusalem for the festivals so doesn't Jesus look just like these Pharisees and the answer is yes And yet Jesus says we are making competing truth claims that what you believe is not compatible with what I believe and where I'm going, that where you're going is not the path that's going to lead to the Father. How can two people, Jesus and the Pharisees, who look alike, are doing the same things, are observing the same stuff, have the same scriptures, how can one be right and one be wrong? And this is the problem with truth claims. How many of you have ever met somebody that said, "Well, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism—they're all the same. They all have the same goal. They all have the same purpose. I mean, they're all about—you know—they're all about pretty much the same thing." Now, I'm not a stupid person, all right? Um, but and and I'm maybe not the smartest guy in the in the world either. But when I look at truth claims as different. And again, since September 11th, I'm going to bring this up. When I look at truth claims as different as the claims of Islam and the Quran, which I have read, and the Hadith, which are the teachings of the Prophet, which are where most of the, the other ideas come from, and the teachings of the Imams, and all the stuff that goes into Islam, when you look at the truth claims of Islam and you look at the truth claims of the faith of Jesus, they are not compatible. They they are not the same thing. They say, well, they're both monotheistic. They both believe in a God. They both believe in Abraham. They both believe in Isaac. They both believe in Jesus. Uh, The the Hadith even even, uh, encourages Muslims to read the Christian scriptures. That says they're wrong, but it says it encourages them to read the gospel. How, how, so we sit there and go, well, here's two truth claims. Well, they have similarities, right? They're both monotheistic. They're, they they both are focused on the sovereignty of God. They're both focused on submission to God's will. Aren't they the same thing? And yet they're not. The God of Islam has no grace. He has no compassion. He is so unknowable. Allah is so unknowable that you are not you, you simply recite his name and throw um, all kinds of honorifics on top of it because you can never attain any true knowledge of Allah. You can only hope that you have been enough of a slave. That is what Muslim means. Muslim means a slave of Allah. You just hope that you've been a good enough slave that Allah allows you into paradise. You say, well, Christianity and Judaism, they're pretty much the same. They're pretty much the same thing, right? I mean, same God. I mean, the Hebrew scriptures are the Christian Old Testament. It's pretty much that Jesus was a Torah-observant Jew. And yet, if you look at Judaism and you ask the question, what is the path of salvation in Judaism? If you talk to, especially if you talk to um, uh, modern Judaism, progressive Judaism, they will tell you that there is no salvation. That Messiah is just an idea of realization of societal equality in our world today. That there is no Messiah, there is no, no end game, there, there is no future. And you talk to the Orthodox, if you go to the Hasidim and, the, and the, the Orthodox Jews, they will tell you that the purpose of man's life is to observe Torah. That your end goal purpose is to be obedient to Torah. Not that that will help you know God, only that, they, that you will know Torah. That you will know the law. We could look at Hinduism. Hinduism makes a lot of truth claims that are very similar to Buddhism, which grew out of Hinduism. Uh, Buddhism makes a lot of truth claims that sound very similar to Christianity. Things like getting in, being in harmony with people, things like uh, honoring one another, taking care of the poor, all of these things. We go, well, this is similar. And yet, um, when I was teaching my daughter world religions when she was in elementary school, I taught her this way. The way to know the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism is this. In Hinduism, everything is God. In Buddhism, nothing is God. Literally. Buddhism believes that you reach a point of nothing. That the ultimate realization of the universe is that there is nothing. How profoundly, excuse me for being politically correct, incorrect, dumb. That the ultimate reality is nothing. In Hinduism, the ultimate reality is everything. And you know what Gautama Buddha's great realization was, as a Hindu, was Siddhartha Gautama, he went, well, if everything is God, isn't that the same as nothing is God? Right? Because how can everything be something? If everything is everything, then everything is nothing. Right? And you get into this whole, whole, uh, whole shebang about that. We can go through and we could talk about all kinds of religion. My personal favorite is Sikhism because part of their religion is carrying a knife. It is. It's one of the commandments. Don't cut your hair and carry a knife. Cool. That's awesome. What a great religion. Um, alternate truth claims. You cannot have. So truth claims can look the same at certain points, but just because they have overlap does not mean they are the same. It does not mean they are are the same. You cannot walk around and ignorantly say, and I apologize for using that word, but it's true, ignorantly say all religions are the same. They are not. They are incompatible, and you can't even create one that incorporates all of them, the ultimate ecclesiastical, uh, ecumenical decision. You can't just mellow out Christianity so much that it fits with everything. Uh, they've tried it. It's called universalism, and it's a bunch of mumba, mumba, mumba. Their doctrinal statement is basically, well, what do you believe about Jesus' identity? Well, Jesus was. Well, what do you believe about salvation? Well, in order to be saved, you're. I mean, that's how they articulate things. I'm not even making this up. It's it's so nebulous. They're like, Jesus is our first brother, the leader of into the ultimate reality of us. And they go on and on and say nothing. I say all this to point, point out that what Jesus says here is that his truth claim is exclusive. It's not that there isn't truth elsewhere in the world. I have read everything I can ever get my hands on about everything all the time. My wife will tell you, I am the master of useless knowledge. If that was a degree, I would have four of them. I love to study alternate views of the world. I have studied Zen Buddhism, regular Buddhism, all the versions of Buddhism in between, Tibetan Buddhism that leads to mummification of your body and live for hundreds of years. I have studied Hinduism, Sikhism, naturalist religions. I read, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I read virtually everything I could read of philosophers, atheists, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. Read, 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 read. I have acquired information about all of these things. I study and I read. When when the big big um crazy craziness was going on in christianity with with the gifts of the holy spirit that were making people bark like dogs and and roar like lions i immediately grabbed all the books on that and i read it and i wanted to know whether it was true i'm not I, i'm so confident in the truth claim of jesus that i'm willing to put it up against virtually not virtually every single other truth claim in the world to see whether those are better And to this point, at 46 years old, having explored everything I could think of from science to agnosticism to atheism to every other religion, I still find in my heart of hearts, Jesus makes an exclusive claim on truth and the foundation of being a follower of Christ is to accept that that is true. If you do not accept it as true, If you do not accept it as true that Jesus makes an exclusive claim on truth, then you will find yourself warbling along the lines. You say, well, that's not very tolerant. I would submit that it is the most tolerant thing in the world. Because when you are willing to admit that Jesus made an exclusive claim on truth, guess what you have to give up on? Judging everybody else by your own standards. Again, I'm going I'm to irritate people, some people, with this closing thought. I'm just going to tell you this. All right? I I don't know if you guys are aware of this. The Bible teaches that marriage is one man, one woman for a lifetime. Now we understand that at times things happen, people get divorced, God brings another person in your life, you get married, and we tell people that marriage now is that commitment. That's the commitment that you make. You honor that commitment. But I believe that. But I'll tell you what. If somebody were to stand up in a pulpit in a church that I was in and start preaching about how there should be laws against homosexuality and alternate sexualities, I would oppose that person. Let me tell you why. It is not my job to judge others by my beliefs. It is my job to stand for Christ. Now, I can stand against the idea of what I believe to be sin, but ultimately it is not my job to project that out into how society should work. You say, but you're a Baptist pastor. By definition, you should be politically active. I am politically active, but it's not because of my religion. Um, It is amazing to me That my daughter's friends, who are all that many of them in high school were on the LGBTQIA plus, and they keep adding letters to that. They were terrified of coming to our house because they thought I hated them. Because I was a Christian. Well, he hates us. He wants to put us all in jail. Absolutely not. My faith is in Christ, not in my political opinions. I believe so strongly in the Spirit of God that I believe that if someone um, who is living in sin comes to faith in Christ and submits their life to him, the Holy Spirit will move through the people of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God to transform their desires, their wants. I don't need to shove my beliefs down their throat. All I need to do is follow Jesus. Now, that's crazy, I know, It's weird. Um, I'll never forget a friend of mine said to me one time when New Hampshire legalized uh, same-sex marriages, he said, why shouldn't same-sex couples get the right to have the same misery that we have? (laughs) That was an interesting approach. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, the the church's job is not to tell people outside of the church how to live their lives. Our job is to follow Christ and declare his word. And to see what God does through the people of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God. You know the people that Jesus was talking to did not get it, probably never got it. And they were on their own path. But remember what Jesus said. I'm not here to judge you. Judgment will happen on its own. I'm here to teach you, how to guide you, here to love you, here to instruct you. At the very end, very end Jesus says in verse 28 you're gonna lift me up one way or the other and he means the crucifixion in verse 28 when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the father taught me and Jesus says when the rubber hits the road you put me on a cross and you lift me up, you will lift me up to discredit me and defame me and to punish me and to remove me. But in so doing, you will be lifting me up so those who will follow me can see me. That's, by the way, why Christians use crosses as our symbol. I was in a church that they had no religious symbology at all. This is about 20 years ago, because they didn't want to offend people. They wanted to be offensive. i got news for you. Your existence as a church is offensive. But the reason Christians wear a cross is not to identify with the suffering in Christ. It is to identify with the exaltation of Christ. That when sinners lifted him up to crucify him, they lifted him up so that we could see him and follow him. So the question this morning is simple. Where are we on the path? How do we correct our line so that we follow the light of the world to the Father? He bears witness of himself. The Father bears witness of him. How do we get in sync with him and follow the line? Because when we do all of our self-focused stuff, it doesn't go away. It's still there, by the way. I still grouse about people that disagree with me all the time. But that doesn't determine my faith. That's not of the same level of truth and doctrine. I can walk away with it. Those of you that had a disagreement with me, you know I disagree. I will disagree vehemently as all get out. And then when we're done disagreeing, I have no problem shaking your hand and saying, great conversation. It's not an issue for me that people disagree. As a person, I'm not concerned. All I'm concerned about is us moving toward Christ. That's all we should be concerned with. It's following the light of the world. Would you join me in a word of prayer? In all things and everything, Jesus, may we find your starting point, your direction to the Father, and follow. For those of us still struggling with faith, struggling with where to ground ourselves with competing truth claims, Lord, may we we find the faith to believe and start, to see it grow. For those of us that have been Christians for decades and find parts of our lives drifting left or right, Help us to get back into the beam of light. To be renewed, be encouraged, and to stand. And Lord, help us to find so much confidence in you and your path to the Father that all of our other priorities can just be, they're not gone, but they can be subordinated to honoring you and the Father. May we, your church, follow you out of darkness into light every day, every moment, every morning, every night. May we become more and more drawn to you. We pray this, Father. We pray this, Son. We pray this, Holy Ghost.